right, you absolute legends. Welcome to A Need to Read. Thank you very much for joining me. I've got the sweet spot today is the book that I'll be reviewing. It's by a guy called Paul Bloom. He's a psychologist from America, and it's about suffering, pleasure, and the key to a good life. The key part there is the good life bit. I think that's what we're all kind of searching for or hoping that we can just sit back into um, if we ever decide that the good life is the one that we have right now. Um, so this book looks at happiness, it looks at sadness, looks at suffering, looks at pleasure and, and how much we seek it as well. And I thought it was a great book, so I'll pull some of the key points out from it in this episode. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. And BetterHelp, they're an online therapy service provider. If something is getting in the way of your happiness at the moment, or if you're feeling you can't quite frame the things that are going on in your life in the correct way, then speaking to a counsellor or therapist is probably quite a good idea. I haven't spoken to someone yet who hasn't really benefited from therapy, who's given it a proper go. Um, it's made a profound difference in my life and I couldn't recommend it enough. So I'm super happy the BetterHelp sponsor the podcast. You can, with BetterHelp, get matched to a therapist within 48 hours of completing the application that takes just five to ten minutes. If you don't like the therapist that you're given, you can change them free of charge at any time you like. So if that is something that you're interested in, therapy is a journey that you're going to go on this year then please head to betterhelp.com forward slash a need to read and you'll get 10% off your first month. All the details for that are in the description of the episode. Now, before we review the book, just very quickly, if you like the episode, please consider sharing it with a friend or literally anyone. I'm not fussy. Um, also, emails. My emails are getting better, apparently. That's, that's what the rumour is. So if you're interested in getting a couple of emails from me per week, then head to the link in the description um, of the episode and you can sign up to emails there or it's in the Instagram which is at a need to read with the number two and not the word if you are so inclined to spend your time on the internet in that way but let's get into it The Sweet Spot by Paul Bloom I loved it I thought it was a great book um, Paul Bloom is a Canadian American psychologist um, he's on Sam Harris's podcast like I said at the start and he's written other books like Against Empathy um, and there's quite a good essay of his um, against empathy which is quite easily googleable um, if you just put in Paul Bloom against empathy it'll it'll come up and I've also bought another of his books just out of interest and it is called Just Babies and it is about if people are born evil or if people are born good so he, he does some research into some pretty interesting topics and this book looks at pleasure and suffering um, and obviously the way that we can balance those two to find a good life and this is what he's trying to put forward is that there is a sweet spot that we must uh, aim for. Now when you say suffering you have to be very clear here I'm not talking about people who are like chronically ill or anything like that this is more of like a chosen suffering or a sacrifice towards a certain thing, but I'll, I'll explain that a little bit more lately. But when I talk about suffering being a positive thing, someone who has a chronic illness might be like, you are full of crap. And they'd be right, I would be. I've no idea what it's like um, to suffer in that way. So, and, and, and also he doesn't, and that's what he makes clear in the book. So what is pleasure and what is suffering for them he's saying that suffering is the stuff that makes go ah and pleasure is the stuff that makes go oh yeah it's nice um so pleasure is for what that's kind of the first question that he chucks up in the book and i, I guess it's people would usually say pleasure is there to make us happy um and as a society we tend to look at pleasure seekers as, like in a weird way, they're like, oh my god, they're a daredevil, they're a pleasure seeker, I'd never do that. They can't always have that pleasure. Um, 
but we then trick ourselves into thinking that we should aim to have more pleasurable activities in our life to make us happier. This kind of hedonism is quite dangerous. Um, hedonism is a, comes from the Greek word hedonia, which is like happiness and pleasure. And there is another side of that, kind of the opposite of a Grecian word called eudaimonia, which is about personal fulfilment. And that's what you can kind of apply to the struggle side of this. So pleasure is like the hedonism um, and then eudaimonia is personal fulfilment. I don't know if there is an ism on the end of eudaimonia-ism because look, I'm not a genius, guys. Um, but just take a moment whilst you're listening to this to think, is pleasure like one of the most important things to you? And is happiness one of the most important things to you? I think that's probably the key question here is like, is happiness one of your core values? And you might be like, yeah, I fucking love being happy. Who doesn't? Um, but you wouldn't want to be happy all the time. And people struggle to come to terms with that. And I, I mean, Me being one of them, um, I've only just recently decided that I don't have to be happy all the time. And I've, my life's got considerably better from it. Um, but there is an American, I think he was a fiction writer, science fiction writer called Robert Nozick. And he has this thought experiment called the experience machine. And this is the experience machine thought experiment. So suppose you're living quite a good and satisfying life. Perhaps maybe that's what your life is right now. And Suddenly you find yourself in a white room. Some pleasant lab tech tells you that you've just spent the past few years in the experience machine. All your satisfactions, victories and relationships and neutral hallucinations. This is your regular checking, mandated by the government, where they ask you whether you want to stay in the experience machine or return to the real world, which is, of course, far less enjoyable. If you decided to stay in the machine, your memory of this check-in will be wiped and you'll go back to thinking that your life is real. Now, that thought experiment is meant to make you think, do you just want meaningless pleasure or would you value reality over that? Now, there are people who have like, debated this for quite a long time whether they would plug back into the experience machine or whether they would live in the real world and I personally would like to think that I'd live in the real world but maybe I'd live to regret that who knows um, but it, it, it makes you think about whether you actually value the suffering um, that you experience in life or you would just prefer it to be pleasurable and I think at times when I've been super depressed or something in the past I've certainly not really valued the suffering I've been quite against the fact that I was a bit sad, wasn't best pleased with it. Um, so if you'd asked me in a depressed time, I'd be like, yeah, plug me into that fucking machine, if that's what it's going to be like. Um, so yeah, it definitely makes you think. Um, there's a few things that he mentions about happiness in the book, and, and one of them is particularly interesting from Daniel Kahneman. Um, he's a really, really famous Nobel Prize winning psychologist from America. I think he won the Nobel Prize for economics in 2002. And he's got the best-selling book, Thinking Fast and Slow, which I haven't read yet. I just think it's apparently quite difficult to read. Um, but Paul Bloom pulls a bit of a conversation that he had with someone once, saying, this guy Tyler Cohen, I don't know who he is. Um, but Tyler Cohen said in this podcast, I don't think people want to maximise happiness in that sense. It doesn't seem that people want to do. They actually want to maximise their satisfaction with themselves and their lives. So he left the field of happiness because he was like, well, satisfaction seems to be the thing that matters. Um, and he surveyed a thousand Americans over a month and collected, I think it was like 450,000 pieces of data um, using this app that just bings you and asks you some questions at various points throughout the day, random times. 
Um, and what they would have sort of expected to find, and this is where satisfaction comes into it, is that satisfaction would be the sum of all the experienced happiness, but it didn't tend to be the case. Um, there was a difference between like the experiencing self and the remembering self when it comes to happiness. So what that essentially means is that you right now experiencing listening to this podcast, uh, maybe you're enjoying yourself, maybe you're, you're relatively happy. If I was to put like a massive bang in this podcast, it would ruin your experience. So even though only some of your experience was negative, your remembering self would remember the negative part over all of the eight minutes and 50 seconds of relatively pleasant podcasting, I would hope. And I hope that that explanation um, is, well, I hope it's not terrible. That's that's the main thing. <laughs> um, when it comes to the experience in remembering self, there was another experiment that was done to do with people putting their hands in ice buckets. So they did these experiments, and I can't tell you the year or who did it, um, and I'm doing this off the top of my head, but I'm pretty sure that this is exactly what happened. They had one person, left hand, right hand. One bucket was 14 degrees. They hold their hand in there for a minute. The next bucket is 14 degrees. They hold their hand in there for 45 seconds until the temperature is raised to 15 degrees without telling them. They then have their hand in the 15 degrees water for a further 45 seconds before the experimenter calls, calls a stop to it. So in terms of experienced pain, the one that went from 14 seconds to 15 seconds would have been the more painful one if it was the sum of the total experience pain. But what they found is that people reported the original 14 degrees for one minute to be the more painful experience because there was a slight increase in the temperature in the second um, 90 second hand in the bucket part and that changed the way that they remember it. I don't know about you, but when I found this out about experienced and remembered happiness, it made me completely, well, it blew my mind a bit, really, just to know that anything that's happening in the moment might not even matter in terms of how you remember that moment. It's quite a daunting thought, and I think the more you um, read like psychology and stuff like that, the more you're like, wow, we are pretty powerless as, as humans. Um, but that makes life quite fun, doesn't it, I suppose, um, if, if you want to have a look at it that way. So all this talk about pleasure and pain and happiness and it kind of not being really what we want and not really being that important. It's like, what what do we actually want then? Because I, I could kind of do with some guidance here. And, and he makes a point for like voluntary suffering. Um, and it's usually like in the pursuit of a goal. Um, but sometimes that's for pleasure as well. And this is where the book gets um, pretty crazy. He talks about BDSM quite a bit. Um, he speaks about people being brought into the moment with BDSM and, and the way that the pain works in BDSM to enhance the pleasure. Um, and, and that's the same case, not just in BDSM, but he talks about this whole benign masochism thing. Um, benign masochism is essentially doing stuff that is unpleasant but not harmful. So ice baths, sauna, a hot bath, um the the contrast of those things makes for a greater pleasure. You know when you do a workout that you, you really don't like and then afterwards you feel great. It's that kind of trade-off um, that people tend to go for. Um, there's an old joke that says there's a guy hitting his head in the wall and someone goes, hey, why, why are you hitting your head in the wall? 
goes, well, it feels so good when I stop. We do these weird little things as humans. We do these little suffering kind of stints just for just for the sake of doing it. But it's not just for the sake of doing it. It is for that contrast of feeling at, at the end, which is, is kind of good to know. Because that's one of the things I think is quite important in life is having something that you do have to do a little bit of sacrifice for in pursuit of a sort of larger goal if you get what I mean like a meaningful project I'm not saying you're gonna have to save the world but some form of project that is meaningful to you that you might have to have a little bit of sacrifice in I do wonder how important those are going to get and if they're going to like catch on as a trend over the next few years as as people do sort of migrate from wanting all this happiness to to satisfaction another way to look at like pleasure and suffering is this whole thing that we have as humans we're very lucky to have this this imagination now sometimes you're going to think that your imagination is not your friend when it's imagining your friends talking about you in a nasty way or it's imagining people you love talking about you in a nasty way maybe you don't think like that but maybe you imagine scenarios that are just so out there they're just never gonna come to fruition um, and that is a time when you can be like oh my imagination's a dickhead but our kindness pretty much relies on imagination I think we test and well we just test a lot in life with our imagination we imagine how these scenarios go we imagine how conversations go we play out whole conversations in our head because we we have to run these simulations otherwise we're just going off the bat and i think that'll be quite dangerous for people uh to be acting so quickly so our imagination is a great thing here and he says that we use that um, for suffering and we use that for pleasure so people go to see horror films I don't personally get that I'm not a horror movie person um, but what he found was the people who are watching the sad films or horror films they're actually experiencing the same amount of fear which is weird you would expect people who like horror films to not experience the same amount of fear but it's because they like that they have an affinity towards things that make them feel a little bit booky um, which is kind of cool. It's cool to know that everyone is the same amount of scared of it. It's just how you frame it. God, we are all stoics at heart, aren't we? Now, another part in the book is he, he mentions Daniel Gilbert. Daniel Gilbert wrote a book called Stumbling on Happiness. I was reading that, um, but it was a time that me and my ex were breaking up and I really didn't feel like reading about happiness at the time. I just wanted to sit with the feeling that I had um, and investigate it a little bit more. But he used an app same sort of like thing that Daniel Kahneman used earlier to just interrupt people's day and ask them various questions and he asked some questions around happiness um, and experience and he asked them how their mind was wandering at the time and he found that a wandering mind is essentially an unhappy mind now I can see truth in that but I can also see a little bit of a falsehood in that but that's my personal experience. I guess if the data suggests otherwise, then that is the data. Um, who am I to argue with Daniel Gilbert? Um, but the point in that is, things like horror films, things like sad films, they, they stop your mind from wandering. They bring you into the present because these feelings, this visceral feeling when you're reading a love story or you're reading a horror or you're watching a horror or love story, you get this feeling inside you. Your emotions are woken up, um, which is quite cool. Another cool thing he spoke about in the book was meaning because I think when you talk about struggle and you talk about happiness and you talk about a good life, I think meaning has to come into it at some point, right? We have to be able to make meanings of, of what we do in our day-to-day -day life. Our minds are great storytellers and 
we want to be the hero in that story and that's why I think having a little bit of meaning in your life is always going to be a good thing. Uh, I think he started the chapter with an expert from The Matrix, um, it's a banging film, by the way, and they say the first Matrix, everything was perfect and everyone was happy and there was no struggle. They said it went so terribly, all the crops died and no one, no one really did anything. Which is quite interesting, and I mean, I imagine that probably would be the case. No one would want to be growing crops for fun, or at least not enough people would want to if we were all just reckless pleasure seekers um, without any kind of suffering there. Now, obviously, some degree of suffering, he points out in this book, is like it's essential to a rich and meaningful life, and you don't have to look as far as parents to see where that is the case. I had a conversation with my mum and dad the other day, and I had to say to them, look, why are there... Many times when you regret having me. And of course they said no. And look, they may have been telling the truth. But I just recall being a total dickhead um, in various points of my life. And I'm like, well, if I had me, I would have been like, for fuck's sake, send it back. This is well annoying. And not in a way that like it's terrible, but just like just a bit irritating. Um, so I was curious to see if they regretted having me. But the reason that I asked them that question is because Daniel Kahneman, man-like, back at it again, um, did a test on 900 working women. And it was the same cantrell sort of anchoring scale where they interrupt their day and, and ask them some questions. And he found that they were least happy in activities with their children. Um, but people don't regret having children because we are humans. We are sense-making machines. And, I mean... Maybe we just thought our memories, maybe it is actually great raising an Ed Cunningham, who knows. Um, but raising a child, I think, tends to have the deeper meaning um, of anything. So it's quite easy to apply a lot of meaning to that and to be like, yeah, this is a fucking well good idea. Um, and hopefully then then you don't regret it. Um, but if your kid does ask you when they're 27, if they regret it, you can say no. I, th- I think that's the... Uh, the thing you you say no just to protect their feelings a little bit um he ended the chapter on quite a nice note of of seneca reading a bit of seneca at the moment the letters from stoic is is quite a nice read um but he says things that are hard to bear are sweet to remember and i think that is quite true wouldn't be right to talk about suffering without a bit of sacrifice right now we all make relative sacrifice in our life if you're pursuing any goal if you're making any choice you're letting go of infinity other choices um but people use sacrifice in different ways specifically religion they've got some kind of sacrifice ritual sadism fasting cutting babies foreskins off there's a lot of stuff um in religion that is about some form of sacrifice there is a branch of hinduism in the mauritius um, and they glorify real high pain kind of sacrifices to the point where the more pain the individual feels on this on this day of ritual the more they feel part of their community um, and they're using pain in a way to sort of bring people together, which is, is kind of weird, right? Because um, who wants to put any more pain in their life than necessary? I think with pain and with suffering, like there are times when you might need to make a little bit of a sacrifice to go to the gym a bit earlier or to eat a little bit cleaner or to read a little bit more. But for the most part with pain and suffering in life is it will have... It will find a way to you. So there is an argument to be like, oh, don't go and chase anymore because, like, don't worry, pain, suffering, strife, it's, it's going to come to you at some point. Um, but, of course, it's I, 
I suppose it is a good thing to seek it out because then you're building up kind of like psychological immune system for when real shit happens. <laughs> like if you've spent a lot of time in pain or doing something uncomfortable, when something really, really uncomfortable comes, like still you're probably going to be unprepared for it, but you'll be more prepared than you would have been had you not undertaken any kind of like sacrifice or suffering for a pursuit of a, a meaningful goal. Um, like you said at the end. So uh, the book is great. I, I think if you're interested in psychology, you'll love it. I don't necessarily think you'll be interested in it if you're not interested in the psychology of happiness and stuff like that, which I seem to be because happiness is elusive, isn't it? Um, but not that that should really matter. I think the main takeaway from this book was like there is a sweet spot. There is the Goldilocks kind of principle here because there's loads of different examples and ways in which we are we we can actually use a bit of suffering or making something more difficult to make us happier. And for a look, I'm looking at a paper bin here. People throw paper into a bin like when it would be a lot easier just to get up and, and put it in, but they gamify it and, and people make things a little bit more difficult so that they enjoy it a little bit more. And that's, that's it. We're just weird humans who actually kind of quite like suffering as much as we don't like to say it. People are so judgmental of people who seek out like pain and, and shit like that for, for pleasure. Um, but we all do it. So no one's innocent. This book is really good. It's by Paul Paul Bloom. There'll be... Well, you can buy it from wherever you want, guys. If I'm honest, here's, here's the thing about bookshops, I think, at the moment. And I was going to say, oh, go and buy it from a bookshop. Um, but just reading Johan Hari's book, he talks about cruel optimism. And cruel optimism is where all of the stress and pressure is put on the individual to fix like systemic issues. And I'm sure it's lovely to support your local bookshop, but honestly don't feel guilty if you don't who like, it's just another thing. It's, it's just a fucking book guys. Um, so I've changed my stance on that really. And maybe I'll buy a bookshop one day and maybe I will have to eat my hat, but there's lots of things to be worrying about. And I think where you get your books from shouldn't necessarily be high up on that, if if you know what I mean. Um, but it is a good book, and I would recommend buying it if you like that stuff, if you like the sound of it. Obviously, if you don't, then don't have to buy the book. I'll be back soon with more book reviews. I'm currently in Mexico, but I'm actually not currently in Mexico. I'm currently in London, but when this releases, I'll be in Mexico. Um, so... Whether I've gone complete tech fast when I'm out there and really try and shut down or whether I'm still creating podcasts, I don't know. Uh, so maybe there'll be one next week. Maybe there won't. One of the main things I'm doing this year is putting less pressure on myself. I don't want to go putting out just content for the sake of putting content out there. That's that's the goal this year is just do it when it's all right. So hopefully you've liked this episode. If you have, please consider sharing it. Um, and hopefully it's made you have a look a little bit differently at suffering and pain and, and pleasure and stuff and made you understand it a little bit more. But if not, then sorry, I've done a bad job in your opinion. Um, that is it. There is links in the description for the sponsors of the podcast, for the various sponsors. If you would like to hear from me a couple of times a week from the email, that link is in the description as well. But you're all absolute legends. Love you. Bye.